going to talk to you about preparing for Christmas. I don't know about you, but I always get caught out by the fact that Christmas is on the 25th of December. Who knew? It seems to be the same every year, but every year it catches me out. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about the essence <coughs> of Christmas for a short time this morning. I want to tell you a story quickly, first of all, about a lady I knew who lived quite a long way from her family. And um, one night she went to, I think it was Scottish country dancing she'd gone to, she hadn't been for a while, and she collapsed and was taken into hospital. And she didn't ring her daughter um, immediately. She didn't want to worry her. You know how uh, those of you who are parents do have that slightly irritating habit that you don't want to worry your, your children. And I'm sure her daughter was really quite concerned the next morning when she rang her and said, I've been taken into hospital. And it was going to take her daughter about five hours to get down to her. And her daughter was really, really worried. She was just so concerned about her mum. And the only person she could think to ring the daughter was her, the daughter's friend uh, who lived in the same city. The friend didn't really know her mum very well. Had met her, I think, maybe a couple of times. But the friend said, don't worry, I'm going to take the day off work which was a complete surprise to the daughter. She didn't really realise he was going to do that. He took the day off work and he went just to be with the daughter's mother. He sat all day, all day with her, holding her hand when necessary, talking to her, just being there. And when the daughter arrived, after spending quite some time on the motorway, there he was, still with her mother. Somebody was with her. I don't know how you're feeling this morning. I don't know whether you're feeling tired, or frazzled, or lonely, or joyful, or worried. But we're going to hear a bit about this morning somebody who is with you right now, whatever your situation is, right now. So let's read together. If you've got a Bible, um, you might like to turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verses 1 to 18. Familiar words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. John's Gospel is quite unique in the way it starts. Matthew, as you might remember, starts with a genealogy. He's establishing Jesus' heritage. Luke, on the other hand, starts off with the miraculous births, the story of John the Baptist, born to parents who were, quite frankly, way too old to be thinking about having babies. And then Jesus, of course, born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark is in just such a hurry, he skips it all together and just dives straight in to Jesus' life and work. So John is there uniquely. The first thing he wants to do is clear up who the main character of his story is, exactly who he is. And he doesn't want his readers or his hearers to be in any doubt whatsoever as to who this man Jesus really is. The idea for today's talk came from a reflection day we had in college, uh, just not last week, the week before, where we focused on the name that the prophet Isaiah said would be given to God's anointed, to Jesus. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think that this passage unpacks exactly what that means. So what I want you to do is just take those three words and look at them briefly individually. So first of all, God with us. The first words of this passage from John's Gospel start in the beginning. What does that remind you of? Genesis, exactly. And the thing is, in Hebrew, the books were called by the first few words. So it's not called Genesis, it's called in the beginning. So the hearers, although of course this was in Greek, but they would still get the gist of the fact that, hang on, John is referring here to the very, very beginning. He's making a big statement, a bold statement. And verse 1, we've seen, it's almost like a poem, isn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Your words and actions are very much a part of who you are, aren't they? It's very difficult to say something and then say, oh, oh, oh no, I, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean that. People find it very difficult to believe. They tend to take what you say on face value. And so when John used the phrase, the word, you might have heard the Greek word, logos, you might have heard that before, that's the word he used. But all his hearers, interestingly, had some sort of understanding of that. The Jews were very, very familiar with the idea of the word of God. I mean, you've only got to think back to Genesis and God spoke creation into being. He would speak to people directly. Look at Moses hearing God directly from the, the burning bush. You've got the prophets. God would speak through the prophets. And they were used to God speaking and action, something happening. So they were very used to the idea of the Word of God being part of who God was. Other people, not Jews, people like the Greeks, they were used to that same word, logos, 
as meaning the mind of God, um, divine wisdom, perhaps something that kind of bridges the gap between spiritual and material things. So John's using a word very cleverly that speaks to all of his listeners. And as I was reading that, I thought, actually, that's a good reminder for us because we tend to, to speak in um, sort of Christianese sometimes, don't we? I do it myself. And it's very easy to talk in a way that other people who have not had a Christian background or a church background, that they maybe don't understand when we're talking about Jesus. So it's a good idea to try and remember to talk about him in ways that others can understand. So if I don't do that, and if Rich doesn't do that, please come to us and say, what are you talking about? So John here is wanting to show that God is three in one. Although John doesn't specifically mention the spirit of God, Genesis does. It talks about the spirit of God hovering over the waters. So it's like John's developing this. He's sort of saying, look, it's a never-ending dance between a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. They're all three, and yet they're all one. And this person that I'm talking about here, says John, this word became flesh. He became a person. He became Jesus. This God is a light shining in the darkness. I've got to say, I love Christmas because, apart from anything else, it all gets a bit dreary at this time of year, doesn't it? It seems to only just about get light and then it's getting dark again and that kind of half light. And I love it when you start seeing the, the lights appearing in people's, sometimes all over their houses, but in their, in their windows. And the candles, yes, they're still all right. I'm always nervous about candles and foliage, but it's all right. It just sends out a sign of life, of brightness. We've got um, an old Victorian fireplace in our flat, which we don't dare to light the fire because it would probably set the fire alarms off. But it's a black, you know what I mean, those old black sort of fireplaces. And just when it's sitting there, it just looks quite grim and quite foreboding and probably quite dirty. But as soon as you shove a candle in it, which is about as much as I dare do with that smoke alarm, put a candle in it and suddenly it becomes alive. The flame dances off the hearth and it just, it just makes it look bright and inviting and warm and exciting. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We've all got darkness in our lives in some way or other, haven't we? Whether it's fear of the future, fear of rejection, whether it's failure, bitterness sometimes, anger, things that we, we haven't done right, we've thought of, that we shouldn't have thought of, we've said that we shouldn't have said. And sometimes it just feels as if it gets too much. But God is with us. He is a light. Jesus comes into our lives and fills us with his light. So if you want some light this morning, then John says, this is what to do. When Jesus came into the world, the people that he'd made wouldn't accept him. They didn't believe in him, but some did. And for those who believed in who he was, who followed him, who decided to give their whole lives over to him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. He flooded their lives with light. And that's what's on offer to us today. Even if we're sitting here, having been Christians perhaps for a long, long time, 
We can still sometimes have those places, can't we, where we're afraid and we're worried about the future and it's dark and we don't know what to do. Then let's look at the light. Let's look at our Jesus. He knows what's going on, even if we don't. And we can put our trust in him. So God with us. A friend of mine said once, and it really touched me, because she said, do you know what? I can see you've got this faith, and I feel as if I'd really love it, but I feel as if I'm on the other side of a pane of glass, and I go to reach out to touch it, and I can't. There's just glass in the way. And I thought sometimes, I think we feel as if we're like that, even when we are Christians sometimes. Sometimes you just feel that you can't pray, or sometimes you feel that you can't read your Bible, or it just you just don't know what to do. You know God's there, but you feel as if you're reaching out and there's glass in the way. Well, let's look at the next bit to see, the next portion, to see how we can get help in that situation. So our second word, God with us. This is my favourite bit. The, the verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, that means he pitched his tent among us. I don't know if you ever, when you were little, did you ever used to make a tent in your parents' living room? My mum had one of those fire guards, which when the fire wasn't on, was great for draping blankets over and making a tent in the living room. Well, that's what Jesus is doing even now, in your life, in my life. You know how you only really get to know somebody really, really well when you live with them. You get to see them in all their, I don't know, probably sometimes if they're, if they're feeling frustrated and they've grumbled at the kids or if they're feeling happy and how they really react at home. In their home, that's when you really get to know somebody. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's not just, you know that dreadful song, from a distance. The world looks blue and green or whatever it is. God is watching you from a distance. Oh, can't stand it. Because no, he's not. He's in the front room of our lives. That's where he is. He's not waiting for us to get our life in order. He's not waiting for you to get more faith. He's not waiting for you to read six, possibly seven chapters of the Bible every day. He is with us right now, where we are, right now. And no matter what you're going through, no matter... Whatever you do through the next couple of weeks, God is with you. He is with me. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Will God ever stop being with us? I love the Amplified version of the Bible because it just adds such a lot of meaning to the words. And here's what it says in Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says, For God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Christmas is a time when relationships can sometimes be a little bit strained, aren't they? You always have this glowing idea of how Christmas is going to be, 
And then somehow, somewhere along the line, somebody falls out with somebody else and it'll be about the sprouts or something, and it all blows up. I remember a time when I was in a really intense and quite emotional discussion with one of my best friends. We couldn't see eye to eye. And we were really fond of each other. We didn't want to fall out. And it was one of those desperate moments where you cannot think what on earth to say or do. You can't think who to turn to. You just, your mind goes blank. And there's this awful atmosphere. And I remember praying in my head, Jesus, help. And in that instant, the atmosphere changed. I couldn't have done it. He did it. I don't know how he did it. He tends to change you from the inside out. I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. And sometimes he does it and you don't realise he's done it until afterwards and you look back and think, oh, there is the answer to my prayer. So I would say to you, if this Christmas relationships start getting strained, call upon Jesus, whisper, God with us. And remember, he is with you. He's pitched his tent in the front room of our lives. He's in it for the long haul. Last night we stayed overnight with Amy and Rich, and as he was going up to bed, Arthur said, Siddy, are you staying for a hundred years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one night anyway. But that's the thing. Jesus is in it for the long haul. That's where he is with us, pitching his tent in our lives. So we've looked at who God is, the fact that he's with us every moment, but what do we make of that last word, us? Who is us? Terrible grammar, but you know what I mean. God with us. Verse 18 says this, No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Once again, John's making absolutely sure, just in case any of his readers or hearers were in any doubt, Jesus is God. He's the three-in-one God. Jesus makes God known through being in closest relationship with the Father. It's this Spirit, Son, and Father eternal dance in and through and part of one another. So what can we learn from that? Well, we've already learned that our three-in-one God is a God whose very being is relational, all about relationship. And we can demonstrate God with us through our relationship with others. Matthew starts with his gospel with the announcement of the coming Emmanuel. And he ends on Jesus saying, go, make disciples of all nations, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. At college, we've been hearing quite a bit recently about uh, this chap, Samuel Wells, who is the vicar of St. Martin in the Fields. And he's wrote an amazing book um, in which he's talking about the fact that at Christmas, we do tend, as Rich was saying earlier, to sort of fall into the Jingle Bells trap. And we think it's all about giving people stuff. That's doing things for people, telling people a Christmas story. Well, maybe the very essence of Christmas is to be with people. It's not always physically possible, because sometimes we do live a long way from, from the people we love, don't we? But I think we can start to think of 
ways that we can be with them, ring them, Skype them, write a letter, send an email. Finding ways of just being with people this Christmas. We can all think of people, sometimes they're relatives, who you think, oh, oh, they might even be coming to stay. And you might be thinking, oh, I, I would almost rather not be with them. I'll just give them some chocolate and then, and then go back into the kitchen. But maybe we might be thinking, where are we going to get the strength to be with the people that sometimes we'd rather not be with? Verse 16 says, out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. It's that idea of one blessing tumbling down upon another. I mean, John was referring to the fact here that Jesus was bringing in a new way of having a relationship with God. It wasn't going to be about keeping laws and making sacrifices as the Jews did in the Old Testament. It's about accepting that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to deal with all the things that we've done wrong so that we can have a relationship with a holy God. And through his Holy Spirit, he's promised that we can receive all these blessings that you find in Galatians 5, things like love, joy, peace, patience, particularly essential at Christmas, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if any of us are lacking any of the, of the above, remember that God is with us. He can act through you, even if you don't feel you have the strength. Some people, after all, don't know that God is with us. So we need to take him to them. We need to represent Jesus to those people. And how do we do that? Be with them. Others do know him. They just need a reminder. Just like my story at the beginning. The mother in the story knew that God was with her. She just needed a reminder. And she got that reminder through her daughter's friend who just came and sat with her. Just by being with her in that unsettling, frightening situation. That presence, that reassuring God with us presence. You might wonder how I know so much about this story. Because the mother was my mother. And the friend who gave up his time to be with her, well, I married him. <laughs> so let's bring out the essence of Emmanuel this Christmas. God with 